Hi, I'm Sonia Jean Killebrew, and this is Black America and COVID, an oral history project. I started this project during Black History Month of 2022 because I wanted to provide a platform for Black Americans to share their stories about living, working, and or going to school during the COVID-19 pandemic. I also wanted to provide a space for people to memorialize someone who is a Black American who sadly lost their life during the COVID-19 pandemic. I was inspired by the work of Zora Neale Hurston, author and anthropologist, to record the experiences of Black Americans in their own voices. My goal is to get my recordings into museums, such as the Smithsonian Museum of African American History and Culture, or the Schomburg, or the Library of Congress's Folklife Museum. I'll share a little bit about me and my family history, and then I'll speak to my guests. I'm a Black American. My dad was African American and Indigenous American. His ancestors were enslaved in Georgia. In fact, we still have our family's slave name, which is Kilbrew. My dad, Dr. Terrence Kilbrew, met my mom in graduate school at the New School in New York when they were both earning their master's degrees in psychology. And I'm a fourth generation teacher. So my mother is a retired New York City teacher. My grandmother was a teacher on the island of Jamaica for 20 years and then in New York for 20 years. My great-grandmother was a teacher in Jamaica up until she got married. She was the daughter of an Irish woman and a black man. She stopped working after she got married because it wasn't considered respectable for a married woman to continue working in the late 1800s. And ironically, my mother began teaching long after she got married in the late 1900s. So, Without further ado, I'm excited to speak with my guest today. My name is Chanel Lee. I'm uh, from Jamaica, Queens. I, I currently still reside in Jamaica, Queens. Thank you. And would you mind just telling us your age range? Is it teens, 20s, 30s? Um, I just turned 30 the end of last year. Uh, yeah, during the during the uh, pandemic, I was staying with uh, my father in um, Jamaica, Queens, and uh, recently, maybe like a year and some months ago, transitioned to living fully on my own uh, during the pandemic. Well, happy belated birthday. Thank you. And do you identify as Black or a different identity? I identify as Black. And what would you like to share about your ancestry, if anything? Um, so my parents, they're, um, both from Brooklyn. Um, they, they didn't meet until, um, they later on when they both had moved to Queens, they actually lived like a two block radius from each other. Um, my grandparents are, uh, from the South in the Midwest. My maternal, my paternal grandmother is from, um, Ohio and my, uh, the rest of my grandparents are from South Carolina. I'm still kind of like learning the ancestry, um, but yes. So Ohio and South Carolina. 
That's so exciting. I grew up in, in Jamaica, Queens too. Wow, thank you. And so now I'd like to ask you to share your experience living, working, and are going to school during the pandemic. And if you could start like the beginning of 2020, like what happened before, and then as they're telling us to stay at home and just like tell us a chronological story, if you will. Right. Okay. Um, so my profession, I'm a, a medical assistant. I work um, uh, at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, I was working at an urgent care and we were kind of at like the, the center of the testing and uh, things like that. Um, so uh, we're like swabbing people and really like putting ourselves um, at risk. A, a, a little bit. Um, I'm sorry, I forgot the rest of your question. Yeah, so right before the pandemic, right before they told people to stay at home, like what your work was like before, and then as you, if you transitioned to working from home. Or... So I've, during the pandemic, I've actually been like super, super fortunate where um, I've never, I've never, I've worked the entire time. Um, we've never, transition to working from home. Um, so at the, the beginning of 2020, um, when we got the, the stay at home order, um, the urgent care was definitely at the epicenter of swabbing people. And we, we, we really got to see like the best of people and also the worst of people. Um, they, they were calling people that worked in the field that work in uh, superheroes. And we got people that really believed you know, that, and they were super grateful for our presence during this time. And there were, there were uh, other people, because th during this time, um, the urgent care I worked at, we were only testing um, essential workers. And um, there are people that, that really didn't, didn't, wasn't fond of that uh, stipulation. So we, we got to see the worst of people too. So a lot of our centers had to have um, security or police on standby. Um, because people were getting like cursed out or assaulted or like spit on um, due, to, due to us only testing essential workers for like the first couple of months. Um, but we, we, we also encountered people who were like very grateful for our presence and um, super thankful for like what we were able to do for them. Um, I currently still work um, for the urgent care, but um, maybe like a year into the, the pandemic, I transitioned um, to working um, at an internal medicine office. Um, and there it's, it's, we actually don't see uh, sick patients at all. Um, so it, it, it was interesting to go from, you know, being at the epicenter of like uh, all the chaos during the beginning of the pandemic to, to you know, now things being a little bit calmer. Wow. Did you have enough um, PPE, personal protective equipment? Are so that I can, um, I can give credit to, to you know, uh, the company I worked for. They, they made sure that we had every single thing that we needed. Um, we took uh, a lot of like training and online classes to uh, uh, prepare us the best they could for uh, what was coming and, um, so yeah, we were never without things of that nature. I, I did hear some stories about like places and hospitals 
that didn't have everything they needed and they had to use like garbage bags or like other things to protect themselves. And I was curious about your commute. Like if you took the subway, if you noticed like a decrease in people taking the subway? Um, I, so um, I was fortunate enough to live in Queens and I worked in Long Island. Um, so, and our, our shifts at the urgent care were like 12, uh, 13 hour a day shifts. Um, and the, the, it's my, the first time in my, in my life living in New York that I've never encountered traffic. Um, the streets were so still. Um, so yeah, it was, it was different than I had ever known New York to be. Oh yeah, I remember nobody was driving anywhere. Nobody. You could get to any place you wanted to get to in like 40 minutes. It, it was it was strange. And can you so you said your shift was 13 hours? Um typically we started at about seven or eight. And um, you know, due due to uh, the increase in business, um sometimes like we would get caught after the our shift typically ended. Um, so yeah, so like seven, eight to, till about like eight or nine. Wow. And were you aware of how long the lines were outside? Um, so with the company I worked for, we, they, they were really good with that too. So we didn't have people that, that waited outside for us. Um, we did a, a good job at like, uh, filling all the rooms with the patients that needed to be swabbed or needed medical attention. And then getting those people uh, situated and bringing the next the, the next shift of people in, so no one ever uh, waited um, outside of our buildings. Um, <clears throat> uh, they what we used to do is um, if there was like an extended uh, wait, we would call them or text them when they they were about to be up on the list, and then they would return to to the clinic. But I did see. Uh, a lot of other uh, places where the, the line was like around the corner. And I think, I think that also aided in how disgruntled some of the, the patients were. Wow, your workplace is extremely organized. Yeah, yeah. I, I have to give that to them for sure. And then I forgot, I was going to ask you, so can you describe a typical work day? Like when you go into work, how many patients you would see? And like, if did a lot of them have COVID or not, or if you could say? Um, so a typical work day is, you know, you get to, to the site, maybe like 20 minutes prior to the site opening um, to make sure that, you know, we have, because the thing is like, you know, sometimes because we get caught after the shift typically ends, we don't get a chance to like stop all the rooms or, uh, make sure that we have enough supplies for the next day. So you would come in in the morning and you would do that. Um, um, and then the, I would say a day at the height of the pandemic, um, in a 12 hour, 13 hour shift, we would see maybe like high nineties. And, um, so there's in, it, it, it wasn't a lot of us in the, the office. So this is not like a hospital where there's like tons of like backup on backup of like staff. It's in the, in the building there, there was maybe about, about four of us at the most. Um, but we, we really relied on teamwork and um, I was doing things that weren't typically my job. So I would check people in um, the front desk would, uh, would, would help me in the back of clinical things should I have needed it. 
So we were really like dependent on, on each other. Wow. Um, in the beginning, it was, it was, I think because a lot of people were like frightened by what was happening. I, I really don't remember ever being frightened. I don't really know why. Um, uh, everyone was kind of like rushing to the centers to, to be tested. Um, a lot of like internal medicine offices and even like specialty clinics kind of shut down. Um, so there was no like elective procedures happening. Um, so like, unless there was like the ER and there was the urgent care. Um, so yeah, we, we really just relied on, on each other and um, got through it that way. And a lot of the, a, a lot, there were in the beginning of the pan pandemic, there was way more positives than, than there were negatives. Oh, wow. Did you, did the clinic eventually transition to giving the vaccine? So our sensors, um, the company I work for, we uh, did not transition to uh, giving the, the vaccinations. Um, I think they, they administer it for like staff. But for uh, patrons, no, they, we, we didn't transition to, to that. Um, and even like we're like three years into the pandemic almost, uh, the numbers as, uh, really haven't, haven't declined that much. It, but I can say that, that I've noticed is that there isn't as much uh, positives anymore. So there's a lot of people like who traveled and they, they wanna be sure they can go home to their family and be healthy. Um, <clears throat> So there are, there are more cases like that. And um, I think because we've been in the pandemic for almost three years, um, people aren't as uh, frightened by it. So um, mm -hmm. patients are a lot, a lot nicer. Um, we, they, they've actually uh, decreased the amount of like security or police on standby at the centers because we're not having these issues anymore of disgruntled patients. Um, so things are a little bit better now. Wow, who would have thought you'd need security and an urgent care? Yeah, yeah. When like we would tell patients that like either like you know supplies ran low or we were only working by appointments, um, yeah, patients would get uh very testy. Wow, uh, people got spit on, like assaulted. It it definitely get it got rough. Wow, and I tried to believe that was almost three years ago. Like, almost does March make three years yeah yeah and it feels like last year it does it does wow and then I also like to ask people about like groceries like were you still going grocery shopping or were you ordering groceries um so during this time um I, I know a lot of people um like my parents or like my grandparents who were like afraid to like step foot outside their doors um, I think because like, you know, my, at this one, during the pandemic, uh, both my parents were already retired. Um, my grandparents were retired, so they had no reason to like really be outside of their homes if they didn't have to. Um, so because I, I, and maybe that's the reason, like I, I wasn't so frightened because like I, I, I was in the, the, the middle of it every day at work. Um, I, I still went to the grocery store to, um, buy my groceries um and there was there used to be like a line for the groceries uh grocery store too um but they gave like essential workers uh you kind of got like a pass so you could come in like super early or at a certain time and get the stuff you needed to get done 
Um, so yeah, I never really had had fear about like I always wanted to make sure I was safe and protective and um, but I never really had fear about like stepping outside and doing the things that uh, life required. You know, I guess because of your profession working in urgent care, you have like an like a a built-in fearlessness because you're working with people with like colds and yeah maybe that's it I, I I can't remember like being being fearful at all um like and, and also during during the pandemic I was the person that my family came to when uh they were looking to get tested or to be treated for something that they had and um a lot of centers unless, unless it was the ER they were working on a, a appointment-based system only. Um, so if you weren't proactive and, you know, got the appointment as soon as possible, the slots would fill up. So you couldn't, it, it was hard to, 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 to go in and get tested when you needed it. So um, I was able to like help my family out at the centers that I was at um, and work something out where they could, they could get the help that they needed. Um, and I guess because I'm not like a doctor or like a nurse, I don't know that I've ever felt like what I did in the in healthcare mattered. Um, but during the pandemic, it, I got to see that like every everyone matters. We're all important. So that this is probably the first during that the height of the pandemic. That was the first time I ever felt important in what I did, or that oh. that, that it mattered to people. Absolutely. I could not do what you did. Like, <laughs> I could never work in any sort of medical capacity because I'd always be thinking about, like, am I sick? Did I get sick? Like, a non Right. Like, yeah. Wow. A large part of my family um, is actually in, um, in the medical field. My grandmother, um, she's retired now, but she used to be an RN. My grandfather was a pharmacy technician. Uh, my brother is a... a uh, x-ray technician my sister's an occupational therapist um my my parents actually both were on the path to studying medicine too but they had children early so it forced them to like refocus um so yeah and um I I had sickle cell anemia um and as a kid I was in the hospital constantly and um I always kind of looked at uh the people that helped me the doctors the nurses the PCAs as as like kind of superheroes and it's, you know, before it was coined a phrase. Um, and I remember always thinking that this is what I wanted to do. Um, so yeah, now we, at the beginning of the, of the pandemic, um, when like everybody uh, in the healthcare, like all your roles are like really, really, really important and we all need each other. It, it was the first time I felt, I felt that what I did mattered. Oh, I love that. So you come from a whole tradition of essential workers. Right. Yeah. Wow. Did your neighborhood um, clap at seven o'clock each night or were you at home when that happened? Do you remember when people used to clap for the essential workers? Uh, um, so at seven, I wasn't home. Maybe that's why I don't really remember it because I was in the midst of the shift. Um, yeah. Most of our sites closed at like eight, nine o'clock. I don't really remember that. Yeah. Um, I remember like, you know, people, people like this was the good in people. So like, uh, uh younger patients would do drawings or pictures and they would like post them on our walls Aww. um uh patients would come in and like you know 
or for pastries or food or like whatever. Um, so that that was when I really got to see like the good in people and how much we were appreciated in those communities um, by gestures like that. That's so sweet. <laughs> and then, oh, I'm also curious, like some people had quarantine crews, like a group of friends that you would see on the weekend and make sure like they were all vaccinated or would get tested and make sure they didn't have COVID. Like, did you have like a, a group of friends that you would see sometimes? So um, I think because like most of my friends work in like education, um, I'm really the only person that works in like the medical field. Um, a lot of my friends were like terrified and didn't really want to be around me um, because they, you know, I, I, I kind of, you know, was the, 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 the person most likely to catch it in what I do every day. Um, so the, um, at the beginning of the, of the, the pandemic, um, because I was having, I was getting a bit of like cabin fever. Yes, I had the experience of like going to work, but there was no connection to like anybody really outside of that. No like physical connection, like no face to face anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I began like taking walks and some of my friends that lived in my neighborhood, we would take walks together. Um, and if, you know, we wanted to talk, they, they were very like uh, specific about being safe so, you know, we, we kind of walked further, further apart. Um, <clears throat> if they needed anything as far as like testing or that their families needed to be tested, um, I was who they reached out to to see if I could, you know, set something up for them. Um, so that was, that was really how I spent uh, quarantine. Oh, yeah, that was hard. I, I forgot about that. Like, you'd hang out with your friends, but we'd be wearing a mask and like six feet apart. Right. Yeah, even outside, because no one knew um, how the virus was um, transferred. Yeah, yeah, everybody wasn't like, um, and even like, you know, some of us that 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 worked in the field, there were still some misconceptions, um, or like news was changing every day. Um, So it was kind of like hard to to keep up with like what the the new news was. but yeah, we, me and my friends, we would, uh, we would take walks together or like I would, uh, I would take a person to walk and like I would come to the house and they would stay at the door and I would stand like almost at the driveway. Yeah. Um, and we would interact that way. Um, I had, I had, uh, I, I have sickle cell anemia and because of that, I had to have my shoulder replaced um, during the, the pandemic. Um, and that was like the first time I got to, during the pandemic, see what it was like to be a patient and how much that, how much it changed uh, normal uh, activities. So I had to have surgery and you can't have anybody with you at all. Um, so that was, and I, I come from a bit of a village. So it was tough to, to for like my parents, um, or the people that care about me to not be able to like go with me uh, or see me in the recovery room or like anything there, there could be no, no one but me. Um, so yeah, that was, that was a bit uh, frightening. And even like at the, at the urgent care, uh, nobody, the people had to come alone. So, you know, whether people were, were frightened from testing positive or nervous before a test, they had to bear that by themselves. Oh, that's hard. Yeah. 
Oh my, did the doctors, um, like some doctors have like a picture of themselves because their face was covered. Do they do mm -hmm. that? Um, I don't remember. I think the doctor might have just like pulled his mask down, like to have a quick conversation with me. Um, and then he pulled it back up. Um, and I remember right before the surgery, kind of like feeling the, the pressure of being alone. Um, uh, being, being a bit like nervous and but. I think because I, you know, I've, I've lived my whole life with sickle cell anemia and I kind of work in, in, the, in uh, the medical field. So I understand uh, certain things. None of that uh, braced me for like being able to run through this alone. Um, so I definitely, it, it made me empathetic of patients that, that were coming in and were terrified. Um, it, it, it allowed me to, to put myself in their shoes. Wow. Wow. That's right. I forget about like, other than COVID, people are still getting sick or still needing medical attention. Right. Wow. Women were pregnant and like they, their first sonogram, their husbands or partners couldn't be with there with them. Oh my gosh. That's right. That's, like a, that's a milestone. Yeah. And they're just alone. You gotta be by yourself. Yeah. Oh, and then I also um, like to ask people if there's anyone whose life sadly passed away who'd like to memorialize that person. Is there um, anyone that you'd like to share about? Uh, last May, actually, we lost my paternal uh, grandfather. Him and my grandmother had been married. So he was, this is the pharmacist technician I was talking about, and my grandmother was an RN. They actually met, you know, in the field. Um, and they were, I, I, I don't know the number of years, but they were married for like a very, very long time. And he, uh, he, he didn't pass away from COVID. He passed away from like just kind of old age. Um, but yes, his name was John Lee and he definitely, uh, missed. Oh, were you able to have a funeral at that point? So we were, um, and I, I, I know like, you know, that was, that's another thing, uh, uh, that the pandemic took did to people. It didn't allow people to uh, lay their family members to rest in a traditional way. Um, so they had to do like Zoom meetings or uh, you know things of that nature. But um, because it was it was last year and some of the uh, stipulations and regulations were kind of like relaxed, um, me and my family all got to you know come together and lay him to rest and you know where we could all be there and lean on each other for support. Thank goodness. Were you limiting yeah. the amount of people who could attend the service? Um, I don't. So we we my grandfather um and my grandmother are originally from New York, but they moved to to Florida like a, a few years ago. Um, and we had the service for him out there. Uh, it actually wasn't too big of a turnout. They would. I don't think they limited the numbers, but I do. You know, they made sure that people. Uh, it was a pretty big big uh church. So we just kind of like, you know, uh, spaced the chairs out and made sure everybody, you know, kept their mask on um, and things of, of that nature. Oh, wow. Wow. I'm glad that you were able to celebrate his, his life. Yes, me too. And I, I, my, my grandmother was like really grateful for like, you know, all the, the, the support that she got and all her children were able to come out and her grandchildren. So it was a great way to celebrate um, my grandfather's life and support my grandmother as well. Oh. I'm sorry for your loss. Thank you. Uh, I know a lot. A lot of people lost. Lost a lot. Of yeah. Them. Yes. 
um, before I transitioned to um, the, the, the company I, I now work for. I still work at the Urgent Care Per Diem, but I, I took a full-time job for another company. Um, and uh, because they, they kind of shut down uh, electives, uh, surgery or procedures, a lot of like staffing was shipped to uh, the hospitals that were short staffed. And um, they they were like, uh, they, they had to be like in the rooms with like people who had passed on until uh, un- until like a uh, family came to, to like identify the body. It, it was like a rough time for people in healthcare. It was a really rough time. Oh my goodness, I can't imagine. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't have to do that. Uh, some of my coworkers did when the the office shut down, um, and I definitely felt for them because that's 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 rough. It is right because then you don't get to like be with them in their last moments. Exactly. Yeah. And you're sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No. That's that's just that. It, it it's it's just it's there. The 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 pandemic has definitely taken its toll on everybody. Um from the people who didn't really suffer like a loss um, to the people that, that have. Um, so yeah, you, you, you don't get to be there um, and, you know, hold your loved one's hand, um, you know, as they, as they go through what they're going through, as they, they transition. So it, it, it's been rough. It has. So now three years later, would you say your life is different now because of the pandemic? Or is it about the same? Um, I would say it's different. Um, during, so during the pandemic, I, I was able to acquire uh, a place of my own. Um, I started therapy, which is something that I like really wanted to do, but I felt like, um, I don't know, I didn't have the space or the time for it. And, you know, COVID shut everything down. So there was nothing but time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, <clears throat> so I would say my, my life is different. <clears throat> Um, I've been able to like really invest in me and therapy has been like a, a amazing investment for me. Um, so yeah, definitely a different life. That's good to hear. I interviewed two therapists, two black women, and they both said that their practice just sort of blossomed during the pandemic. So many people, black people were looking for therapists. Um, I think that's one of the good things that came out of such a, a bad time, like people returning to therapy. Yeah, I think so. I think some, like also, like, I don't know that people are equipped to be alone with themselves as much as the pandemic required you to be alone with yourself. Um, so I think, I know for me personally, me being alone with myself really like exposed a lot of the, uh, a lot of flaws and uh, places where I was deficient um, and it, it just really made me want to uh, work on myself more than I ever have. Um, so yeah, I know there. I can tell there there was a spike in people attending to their to their mental health because I I had some trouble um, even like finding a therapist to speak to because everybody was so booked up. And I, I I agree that that was like one of the beautiful things that came out of the the pandemic that people got the chance to like really speak to to, to somebody. I agree. That's so good to hear because I 
like I have a therapist and I my parents met in graduate school they're both studying psychology and then my dad became a therapist and my mom's a social worker before becoming a teacher so I always tell my friends like everyone should have a therapist at some point just to be able to sit and talk and have someone give you professional feedback so it's really good to hear Right. I, I, I agree with that. Like I, I for me, once a therapy, I've been able to um, encourage three people um, in my immediate friend circle to go to therapy as well. Um, and it's great to see their their journey. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think that we, we definitely all need somebody to, to, to speak to. And I think it's better to um, talk to a professional. That way you're not like dumping on your spouse or dumping on your best friend. Um, and you get to you get to uh, vent to to someone that that that's their purpose for for being here. Um, and then you know you feel a little bit lighter and you can you know navigate life a, a lot better. I completely agree. I completely agree. Is there anything that I haven't asked that you'd like to share? Um, I don't think so. I think we we've covered it. Well, I, I really appreciate your time. And my goal is once these recordings are in a museum, well, the audio will be on the podcast. And ideally, there we'll, I'll have a big event and everyone who has participated, they can meet each other and we can all talk and, and at the very least have like a, a dinner and a conversation. Because um, I, I really want to create a community and, and get more people talking and processing the, the pandemic. So I really, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. This is definitely um, something that's, that's out of my comfort zone. And at the top of every year, I write like these goals for myself for the year. And it was like a part of my goals was to do things that like, I'm, I'm a bit of an introvert. So like conversing with, with, with strangers is not really like, in, I'm not, that's not my strength. Yeah. Um, so one of my goals was to, was to do things that are outside of my comfort zone that forced me to grow. So thank you so much for having me check something off my off my goals for 2023. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I might cry. I'm, <laughs> I'm honored. You're so professional and so calm. I wouldn't have thought that this would be something uncomfortable for you or outside of your comfort zone. So I, I oh, definitely outside of my comfort zone. Miss uh so Warner Martin, she she was a teacher that was she was like one of your previous interviews. She was a I, I went to her high school. Um Oh. So yeah, like I'm one of her babies that she spoke about during the interview. Yeah. Um, and she's she's also who like introduced us. Um, but yeah, she speaks about me uh, like leaving my country going all the time. So I'm sure she'll be ecstatic that I got to do this. She's amazing. She, I, she really is. I loved her interview with you. Like when she told me how she was traveling, I was like, you were traveling? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, she, she really is amazing. Oh, I'm, I'm honored. Thank you so much for being a part of this project. And I really look forward to inviting you to the event sometime when it happens, hopefully by the end of this year. But I look forward to coming. Thank you. Well, have Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you too. Thank you. And I'll so um, text you when the, the episode is on the podcast. Okay. I look forward to hearing from you. Have a good day, Chanel. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to my conversation on this episode of Black America and COVID, an oral history project. 
If you enjoy the episode, then please give it five stars wherever you listen to podcasts. The more five stars the podcast has, the more visible it is, the more access I have to people who would like to share their story living, working, and or going to school during the COVID-19 pandemic. If you are a Black American and you would like to share your experience with me, then email me at sonykillabrew at gmail.com. The emails in the show notes of the podcast or direct message me through my Instagram account, Black America and COVID, all one word, all lowercase. If you are a non-Black American and you would like to memorialize the life of a Black American sadly lost during the COVID-19 pandemic, then email me as well. This episode was written, produced, and audio engineered by me, Sonia Jean Killebrew, podcast host and executive producer. Thanks for listening to my oral history project, Black America and COVID.